who knows what all women really want or if all women want one thing, but definitely all these men. And again, imagine today, it's a show for women, but they only have men working there and men designing it, right? But what the men, I got to say, they didn't have a terrible idea. They basically <laughs> articulated exactly that. And welcome back to Herspective. And welcome back to yet another lockdown with more restrictions. As, uh, like, I can't even believe there is any more that could be added. <laughs> I, like, I'm laughing because there's I... nothing else you can do at this point. That's there, why. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing else. And I literally have... It's no laughing matter, the truth. Like, I feel so trapped and like like I literally am going crazy and I know that going crazy probably isn't a fair term but I literally feel like mentally ill so much because of this and so like sorry to like really take it to that type of level but that's how I feel I was just gonna say but I'm not gonna be a total Debbie Downer we have such a fun and uplifting I think episode yes it's not like a sad thing at all it's just really really interesting and really fun But I mean, it's so hard not to talk about it, like not to mention it in any conversation, whether it's on our podcast or in our regular conversations or with anybody else in your life. It just seems like we're in the twilight zone, that we're in Groundhog Day. It just keeps almost getting worse. And again, not trying to be a Debbie Downer, but it's like, where is the light at the end of the tunnel? It feels, and based on what you hear in the news and media, and that's a whole thing, we already know. (laughs) That we don't necessarily believe everything. But in terms of like other countries um, opening up, it it does seem that they're far more open than Canada anywhere. Like they're just like the UK, Israel, like they just obviously had a way better plan and strategy to handle the pandemic than we did. I mean, we're a year in and we're still, we're going backwards. Let's be real. We're going backwards, like majorly. So yes, I do blame the government a lot. Maybe not a popular opinion among some of our listeners or at all. I don't know. I feel like it probably is a popular opinion. Um, I'm really, really, really concerned about my mental health, my children's mental health, because at this point, I don't feel like the kids are going to go back to school at all until September and that is not based on any information that I've heard that is just my opinion uh but just the way things are going the way things are looking for those people that are interested in getting vaccinated if they're under the age of what like 40 it's borderline impossible for another like few months so by then schools school will be over anyway yeah. So anyway, just quick rant. Needed to do it. Glad we have the Did podcast. Do you want to take a breath? <laughs> yeah, I will now because yeah. I do really want to just get into this episode because it is so fun and it makes me smile and it took my mind off the pandemic. That's for sure and all the shittiness that comes with it. And it was so, it's so different for us. Like it's a totally kind of different type of episode where we're talking about someone else's like research and just male focus so anyway I don't like I'm trying obviously trying to like talk about it without talking about it (laughs) yeah no so just quickly um 
before we get into today's topic, uh, I know we do talk about COVID a lot, but we will talk about more of this next week. We just want to let you guys know in advance that we do have kind of like a different perspective of what we're seeing about COVID. So pause. Yeah, well. Of course, that goes without saying. Yeah. (laughs) So a pause on it for today. Um, Besides our rant, thank you, Lauren, for that, because I'm sure everyone is feeling (laughs) very fucking similar. Um, But yeah, we will resume COVID talks next week. But again, it's a different type of perspective because it's not just what you hear about mainstream media. So we just wanted to let you guys know that because I think it's important that we all get all of the information all the time and not always, you know, be clouded by what is what is available in mainstream media. So just saying that now, that's just a little like preview for next week. But yes, Lauren, as you mentioned, we have a very fun topic for today. And I love that, you know, kind of what you said without saying what it's about. Um, although I don't know why it's a huge secret. They're going to find out very, very soon. But I love I how love... we do that. It's always a I secret know. for like five <laughs> seconds. And then we're like, like, and so anyway, we're talking about, I don't know why we do that. Like who's the secret it's our thing. <laughs> it's, it's our thing. thing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, I love how we take a look at, you know, we're examined. Okay, well, can we just say it? <laughs> you know what? First, why don't you shout out our sponsor yes. and then we'll say it. Okay, then so we'll just real cliffhanger for our listeners. <laughs> we just love to keep you guys on your on the edge of your seats every you time. Will every find week. out in like mere seconds. <laughs> <laughs> if you can wait that long, I know it's hard. Hold Try not to fast forward. <laughs> Yeah. You may miss it if you do. Um, so thank you to our sponsors, House of Hyla and Vitality MD. Don't forget to use promo code HERSPECTIVE100 when booking in your O-Shot or Revive treatments at VitalityMD.com. And use promo code HERSPECTIVE20 when checking out and for any Generation 2 purchase at HouseofHyla.com as well. Awesome. Yeah, so today... We are speaking. I feel with... like we need a drum roll. I feel like we need like <laughs> a loudspeaker. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Just say it now. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that buildup. So once again, today we are speaking with the absolutely fascinating, incredible Natalia Petrozella. She is a scholar, a writer, a teacher, and an, and an activist. Uh, she is a historian of contemporary american politics and culture and she has written a few different books she is as i mentioned a teacher she is a podcast host and that is why we wanted to chat with her today specifically because of her most recent podcast that she co-produced and hosts called welcome to your fantasy it is available on spotify yes it's available on spotify but it's also free for now until it does become available on all platforms so yes even if you do not have spotify you can still listen to it um on Spotify. <laughs> oh, okay, so yeah. if you're not a member of Spotify, like you don't have the paid yeah, cuz it's free. And, okay. I don't need I didn't even think I had to log in to be honest uh when I listened to it, but uh I might have already been logged in cuz I used to have Spotify. Unclear, but either way it's free, so just get Spotify so you can listen and you guys will not be disappointed. As you mentioned, Laura, all of her, uh Natalia's credentials and accolades. She is you know, so well spoken and I loved all of I guess all of her, you know, training and and previous works really contributed to her mindset and her mentality when looking and examining this topic still haven't told you Uh, (laughs) 
still keeping you guys hanging about what we're talking about. <laughs> so, but I love, that was one of my favorite parts, how she analyzed something that seems like it is, you know, black and white. It is what it is. Right. But she took such a different approach to talking about it and analyzing it. And, uh, and that was what really caught my interest on this. Yes. Yeah, so if you can't tell, this is an Italia fan club. I know, but you guys will understand when you hear her speak <laughs> You today. will. You really will understand. But just backing up for a quick second because Jess got very excited. Um, <laughs> so as mentioned, we are talking to the fascinating, incredible Natalia Petrozella. And she, specifically why we're talking to her is she is the host and co-producer of the podcast called Welcome to Your Fantasy. This podcast is all about... Now, this needs a drum roll. There we the, go. <laughs> yeah, that was the worst drum roll ever. I know. But this is all about the history of the Chippendales. Now, we will, she will explain more in depth what the Chippendales are. But if you don't already know, the Chippendales are a male dance strip production that started back in the 70s. Um, like I said, she's going to explain it, so I'm not going to get too much into it. Even Going even further about why we're chatting with her is because I listened to the whole podcast, cannot recommend it enough. It was so fantastic. The production of it is incredible. Natalia is, like you said, Jess, such an incredible speaker and just everything about it was, it, it had my attention the entire time. It's only eight episodes. I was literally sad when it was over. I was just like, oh. I love those ones. Well, I love hate them because so good and you're enjoying it all, but then it's like, okay, really, I'm ready for season two. Well, it just leaves you hanging for wanting more information. Like it, I'm sure she has just books on books on books like notebooks of more information and footage and everything yeah she mentioned how many uh interviews she listened to and conducted herself like i you know this obviously is a huge uh a lot of effort when you produce something like as fantastic as this podcast but uh the effort is well worth it because it just turned out so well and you know, so educational. And like we said, it it really analyzes the origins of the Chippendales. And it's not just about uh, naked hot guys, which obviously like we're okay with and we love, <laughs> but it's about really examining like the social constructs surrounding uh, the emergence of the Chippendales and, and other, uh, I guess, you know, performance like situations like that you know what I mean so the ones that came up after it or yeah and, and because of it right like yeah. this was the first and um it started in the U.S. and it actually has a little bit of Canadian involvement there so that was like cool when I heard that come up in the podcast in one of the yeah. episodes uh, but yeah like we wanted to chat with her because in one of the episodes there is a part that they talk about the Chippendales and the women's liberation movement and that just like rang in my ears I was like what okay we need to explore this a little bit more so I mean this is open to opinion of course uh but yeah. it's interesting we get into that and that's why we wanted to talk to Natalia because she's also big on that uh area of topic as well and and is part of why she wanted to do this podcast on the Chippendales also like there was other reasons outside of just like learning the history of the Chippendales which alone yeah. is a very interesting and fun topic but it isn't all like just sexy men and you know they're hot bods and everything there's no. quite a dark and seedy undertone to yes. the whole thing which we do touch on but we don't 
uh, get into because, as mentioned, we really wanted to focus more around like the women's liberation movement and how this all ties in. Yeah, so you guys will have to check out. You'll have to take a listen yourself. Um, and again, you will not be disappointed. So I think I think this is a good enough hype up. If you are not excited <laughs> to listen to this episode, I don't know what else we have to do. We don't know how to talk. <laughs> we clearly, we're, we don't have Natalia's abilities, but... Uh, <laughs> But she does, so that's why you should just listen to it from her. Yes, and she talks a lot (laughs) on this episode, thankfully, because she's just such a wealth of knowledge, and it was just so fun, and uh, I hope that we can chat with her again. So let's get into it. Like, without further ado, welcome to the show, Natalia. Welcome, Natalia. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yes, thank you. So I guess we can start off. Usually I get a little too excited. So I'm going to like reel it in and say, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about you and your background and kind of what we're going to talk about today? Yeah, so my name is Natalia Petrozella. I'm a historian. I teach at the New School in New York City. I focus on the late 20th century United States, and I am really interested in cultural and social and political history. I wrote one book about the culture wars and education, and then now I'm working on a book about fitness culture in America. But what we're here to talk about today is mostly Welcome to Your Fantasy, which is a a podcast that I hope host and co-produced, which now is totally bingeable on Spotify, which is about the Chippendales dancers as a lens on understanding feminism and capitalism and all kinds of good stuff. (laughs) How interesting. Also such an amazing podcast. Uh, I did binge it and it was so fun and you're kept like wanting more the whole time. Like there was not a moment that I was sort of like zoned out because you know, with podcasts, you can do that sometimes. But no, it was like, and then what happened? And then what happened? So it's, it's fantastic. And highly recommend to any of our listeners to check it out. Thank you so much. I I will say uh, your podcast. Oh, yeah, I'm not finished yet. But yes, I agree with Lauren. So far, so good. Um, And you do not have to have Spotify to listen to it, which because I don't and I listen to it so yeah no it's right free <laughs> it's free so even if you're not a spotify subscriber it's free and then it'll be out later this summer in wide release like anywhere and everywhere you listen to your podcast so we kind of got like the early preview or exactly <laughs> nice. exactly definitely well i actually came across this whole thing because i follow what well, we follow the social the uh, canadian tv mm-hmm. show which is basically our canadian Uh, talk show royalty here uh, with all those amazing ladies and I saw the clip where you chatted to them about this podcast and the Chippendales backstory and everything and it caught my attention right away and I was like oh my god I need to know more I want to talk to her but specifically we did want to chat with you about yes the story is so intriguing and fantastic and kind of crazy and who would know Um, But also just the other side of it as it pertains to feminism and women's lib and, you know, did it do anything for women? Um, Sexuality, being allowed to kind of express your interest in men openly like that and was it accepted? So where we're at now with all of that. So, yeah, just to kind of step back for our listeners, um, the podcast is about the history of the Chippendales 
Uh, but you did, there was components within some of the episodes that there are people that were involved during the, I guess, late 70s, early 80s, during that time that believed this had a lot to do with the lib- women's liberation movement. And I have to admit, when that one of the men made that comment, I did give a little chuckle because I'm not sure <laughs> if that's, you know? Yes, I know. Trust me. So it's so funny. So you say like, we're also interested in the feminism side of this. And I think for your listeners who haven't listened to the show yet, um, it's like we're also because the show's primarily marketed as a true crime podcast. There's a big murder at the center of it. There's a lot of other darkness and crime in happening. But I'm so happy you ask about the feminism and liberate women's lib part of it because that's what got me excited. That's what made me want to make this show. And basically what happened is I think like most women who are like awake in the 21st century, I am constantly being marketed my own empowerment and in like ridiculous ways, right? Like, oh, if you want to feel empowered by this underwear or go to this yoga class or drink this, you know, green juice and like empowerment comes in these products. And I think, you know, I like to feel good through things I purchase. I think we all live in a capitalist society and there's no shame in that. But I'm like pretty aware about what I think is often just kind of like dressing up the same old products in this new, um, you know, this new empowerment language. And so I'm always paying attention to that stuff. And so Chippendales caught my attention because when it first came, you know, out in a nightclub in Los Angeles in 1979, they basically were doing that. It was like the cynical um, marketing of women's liberation. And what you saw was in this, um, you know, in the positioning of this show, which was men taking their clothes off for women, the idea was, ladies, you can now show that you're sexually aggressive too. You can go spend your hard-earned dollars. Like you too can, you know, go out on the town and for one night, turn the tables. And I was just really interested in the moment and kind of, you know, American feminism that, that was happening that allowed for enough of its mainstreaming to kind of be sold in this way, not to like radicals who were marching in the streets for equal pay and for abortion rights and for, you know, um, lesbian rights and like all of these kind of more and radical any political rights. Yeah. Any rights. But, re- <laughs> but, but this was a right too, but it's a very commodified kind of um, version of women's liberation. And so that was the first thing that caught my attention is the way that these guys, and they were all guys, were presenting it as such. Wow. Well, two things. Like, yeah. First of all, maybe just give a quick recap of yeah. what the Chippendales is yeah. for our listeners, because there's a chance that someone might not know. It's slim. Totally. It's very slim, but it's. I think it's important to kind of go over yeah. that because I just wanted to ask when you you say you were there, is it because you were? You mean when you were alive or when you were looking into this? Like, was that real time? You experienced no that? when I was so I so I'm 42 um and so the Chippendales is around still today but in its heyday was the 80s like that's when okay. it that's when the podcast focuses on and that's really when it was like you know in every mall in America best-selling calendar to you know nightclubs in New York and LA and I was aware of what Chippendales was because it really was you'd go to the mall to buy your like boy band t-shirt and there'd be mugs with these like naked guys with cuff 
cuffs and collars. And so I knew what it was, but I wasn't like, I had never been to a show until I went to research this podcast. So what it is. Okay. So this is what it is. Um, it is a male exotic dance review for women. It started really as like a take it off contest where like men would just come out, take their clothes off. Women would clap their hands and whoever got the most applause got like a bigger, you know, hundred bucks at the end of the night. And then it evolved. And part of what we, the story we tell in the podcast is the way that it evolved from this very like simple contest to really like theatrical show that was pushing boundaries around sexuality but was decidedly like not porny like it was supposed to be classy this wasn't full frontal this wasn't about like you know sex necessarily but rather the sexiness of the show and I think that that's a really um important distinction um and and why it really one of the reasons it became so popular yeah for sure and it's interesting because now today it's super mainstream like you can go kind of anywhere and find a male strip club or male dancers. Or I mean, like hire them to your house, which we did for your yeah, birthday. Yes, we've done Bumper <laughs> in the Buff yeah. too. Uh, I've been at a few events and most recently was my birthday, yes. Happy Funnily birthday. enough, it was the same. Oh, this was last August, but thank you. But it was the same guy that was at an event like almost a year prior. So kind but of the best part there, was but... he didn't understand. So you're basically dating, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In these day and ages, yeah, that's you're almost married. <laughs> <laughs> and he but but he's like significantly younger than us so it was a touch awkward when we found all that out you We're think like, he's like significantly younger <sighs> he was like 23 or 24 oh oh okay anyway we digress <laughs> sorry I, I'm everyone has their stories yeah. like I was yes. talking I was talking to a lawyer today and she's like I'm listening to your podcast and let me tell you this crazy story about when my sorority <laughs> took me to a male strip show like I'm like the the repository for all of these yes. like dirty stories that people have I was gonna say you asked for it on the show tell us your Chippendales experience which I actually do have one I I went to the Chippendales years ago I think my friend just turned 19 and that's what her mom thought we should do for so her mom her grandma and then me and my friend whose birthday it was and then a couple other friends and actually her sister who wasn't of age yet but was still allowed to be at the show um and it was at like a seedy little bar in Scarborough where Jess and I are from uh Scarborough Ontario what bar and it was at the Birchman. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> what? <laughs> Not that Natalia has any reference to that, but and probably most it's of our so listeners weird. don't. But anyway, but it, truly it was so fun. The guys got into the crowd. They mixed and mingled. They smelled like coconut. They were oily and hairless. And it was <laughs> it was my first experience with something memories. like that, though. And so, same with our friends. And they... They you know, obviously pay and they'll send you up on stage, right? For yeah. a tip. Well, I guess that would be considered a tip. And um, my friend is really, really tiny. So they had her. They were tossing her around, flipping her all over the place. And we were all just like, oh, 
Oh my God. Like, so they're naked. You, it's so funny. So what you mentioned about like going with like the mom and the sister and all of this, like that's so Chippendales. And I think speaks yeah. to like, in some ways it's more about a pretense for women getting together and having fun than it actually is Definitely. about the guy itself. And that's something yeah. I didn't really understand until I, I did this show. That like the thing that these guys were marketing as women's liberation was kind of BS. Like, no, they were not like feminist soldiers here. They were looking to make a buck on something they thought was marketable. But that's not to say that women didn't kind of create their own like sort of empowering experiences through having a place where they could come together, you know, intergenerationally, go to a club where the only men that are going to be there are ones whose attention they can invite or reject without worrying that they're going to get, you know, felt up without wanting to or yelled at or hit on in a way that is aggressive. And I think that's kind of important. And I didn't get that before. Like, to be honest my friends were laughing at me because when I got married I said I'm like not into a lot of the traditional stuff and I was like I do not want a male stripper like no I think it's gross I like don't want it I think it's pathetic why would you pay to like like what's cool about paying a guy like that to pay attention to you like it's lame and now I think about it I'm like that's not what it's about it's about going out with other women and having fun not being like ooh, he really likes me you know and I think that um most people don't have to make like an eight episode podcast to figure that out apparently, but it took me that long. That's yeah, okay. but most things don't have the coolest like dark seedy background yeah, that the yeah. Chippendales did. And that's the interesting yeah. part about it. But uh and I and I definitely want to get into that really quick, but I just wanted to say I love how you um did make that distinction or did make that like I guess realization that it's not about like paying someone to pay attention to you. I never like thought about it like that. And even, you know, I'm not really a prude, but we went to a strip club before Lauren for our friend's bachelorette party. And like something's happened there with the strippers and like to a poor mother-in-law, like he like dick slapped her. And I was like, this is a little much (laughs) like, so, (laughs) so I think that. in fairness, yeah, you kind of have to just, expect anything and if moms want to come with their daughters and their friends to see that or just be a part of it then you're gonna see and, all of it including yeah. those the sides of but those i think that it's not so much i think when it gets to things like that it's simply like entertainment and i'm putting that in air quotes because i'm sure like i don't know maybe she liked that or whatever maybe people like that maybe that's why they do stuff like that so it is more like an entertaining thing to do as an experience more so than like something to take from it later or like live with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, there is something, well, a couple of things. So first of all, like, so, you know, the Chippendales inspired like a ton of like offshoots, but one, and they're all different. Right. And I think one thing that doesn't always happen, but that Chippendales for most of its career, and I would say still today is like pretty mindful of is like, they're really trying to control the experience to not cross over into like, you know, anything that's like too sexual. So like there were other clubs, even there's this one, the Sugar Shack, I believe it was in Wisconsin that had like full frontal nudity before Chippendales. And it was started by a Playboy bunny and it was like much raunchier in a lot of ways. And there are a lot of other ones that I think are raunchier, but to the extent that like Chippendales has had different moments in its brand and there's a lot that happens behind the scenes, but 
like when in part of the story that we tell in the show is about how this guy Nick Denoya who really became like the creative vision behind it he was like so um rigid about making sure that it stayed kind of like classy and even though there was drugs and there was sex and there was like all kinds of madness happening like when he would take these guys on the national talk shows basically things like the social like all those kind of shows in in the 80s which were huge in the U.S. like he, they were not allowed to talk about being offered money for sex, about any of the after hours stuff. There's this one episode of Donahue, which was like the big show. Um, I don't know how many of the U.S. references like translate exactly to Canada. So sorry. I know if I'm all like, of the. Yeah, like Sally, okay. Jesse, Geraldo, Donahue. It was here. I yeah, mean, it was like a North American young. market. Yeah, but, I don't yeah, but it, that one. They Donahue were like, oh. I was too young for, but Sally, Jesse, I, I Are you watched, talking about Sally, Jesse, Raphael? Actually. Yes, yeah. we watched that on lunch break. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. We did. So, like on those shows, there's this one episode we talk about on Welcome to Your Fantasy, where one of the guys talks about how this woman like offered him a few hundred bucks and was like, "You're mine for the night," and he's like, "No," and she pulls a gun on him, and you see Nick's eyes like widen and the rage, like, "How dare you say that? This is supposed to be this classy show that we're promoting." And so it's really interesting to see how, like, what are the bounds? Like they made their their name by being risque and by pushing boundaries, but on the same by the same token, they like don't want to be playgirl. They don't want to be pornography. They want to make it very clear. This is something you can bring your mom or your grandmother to. You can put the calendar in your cubicle or even in your kitchen. It's kind of like a gag gift that's like mm-hmm. respectable. Yeah. So I think yeah, I thought it, that's like really interesting to track. It did come across throughout the podcast. And I still and I do think a lot of these shows because that's really what they are today, Mm -hmm. are kind of that family affair type deal. I mean, it's a little bit more risque for a family function, but if you know your mom's cool or your grandma's cool or whatever is cool with that, then... Yeah, family isn't like the ladies, though. Like, I probably wouldn't go with my dad. Yeah, not the men. Um, No, for sure. And I mean, like, the spinoffs like Magic Mike, which I saw in Vegas. um, You guys are, like, die hard. We love naked men. Just happen to be. This is almost like this is like fifteen plus years in between when I saw the first Chippendales to seeing Magic Mike. Um, that was only a couple of years back. But I think when you when we're talking about distinctions, like one of the things you mentioned with the purpose of the Chippendales and like the goal was to make it more of that like show two things right like there is a difference between them as it's a performance it's a entertaining show versus I and I think this is my opinion being a male stripper I think there's a difference because they put like there is a theatrical side of it that totally as as you state in the show that comes that came more from Nick DeNoia Um, and just a sidebar there, I love that this kind of like got sprouted from like a Canadian. (laughs) I was going to say, can we talk about the Canadian connection, please? Always talk about the Canadian connection. Like this kind of came up from, I, like, I like to believe that like it's spawned from a Canadian guy and his bunny girlfriend who wasn't Canadian, I know, but. Yeah. So funny. No, she but was yeah. Canadian. She was Canadian. She was from. Oh, Canada I thought Vancouver. she wasn't. Okay, so yeah, didn't fact check two on Canadians. That one, but... you, should I tell the story? You yes, guys want to hear yeah. the, the story? Yeah. So yeah, there is totally a Canadian connection here. So like one of the interesting sort of moments of foreboding in here, where you know it's going to get all dark and crimey, is like really the way Chippendale starts. Which again, this is contested because lots of these people are dead now. But as the story goes, as best we understand it. 
there are these two people in Vancouver from Vancouver, um, a young girl, truly a girl named Dorothy Stratton, who's working at a Dairy Queen. And then this guy, Paul Snyder, apparently known around town as the quote unquote Jewish pimp. He would wear these long fur coats and he had a big star of David with like jewels that he would wear around his his neck. Totally sleazy guy. And he walks into Dairy Queen one night with a girlfriend. Dorothy Stratton is serving him. She's like 17 years old, I think, or 18 years old at the time. He's several years older than her. He chats her up. They start dating. Eventually they marry, but he convinces her to sit for nude photographs that he's going to send away to Playboy magazine. And she's first like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Then she's like kind of okay with it, but she gets invited to LA. She goes to LA. He follows her very quickly. She's this rising star. She becomes playmate of the year. She's just like so kind of successful and really seems to have talent, you know, beyond being a playmate. But Snyder, who did discover her and is her husband and has appointed himself the manager, he's like really awkward and jealous and no one really wants him around and he's constantly trying to pitch things in this awkward way. But one of his hustles is that he somehow, we don't know how, inserts himself no, not literally in this topic. That's like a weird thing <laughs> to say. To but he inserts right himself <laughs> into the in, into the Chippendales nightclub, which at that point in the late 70s is really a dive bar. They have like random things every night, backgammon, women's mud wrestling. Um, and he oh. goes in there and he tells Steve Banerjee, the owner of the club, I saw this gay male strip club and they have men dancing and I think we should do it for women. And I guess Banerjee was like, okay, whatever, if it'll bring people in the door. They try it. This guy, Paul Snyder, is the MC. He apparently sucks as an MC, but the idea is so good that the women are lining up. They do it. They eventually like can him as the MC, which is one of a long line of like kind of what he thinks are these offenses that like he's always getting screwed over. Um, and he's so frustrated for a lot of reasons, not only because of that, that he actually ends up killing himself and killing Dorothy too in this double murder homicide. But the Chippendales connection is the one I just said, but then also because Dorothy had this connection to the Playboy Mansion, she would bring Hugh Hefner around and she apparently got the permission for the Chippendales men to wear the cuffs and collars, which if you haven't seen, cuffs and collars are like the signature look of the Chippendales man. The no button. shirt, but tight pants and cuffs and collars. And that apparently, and that's the part that's like lore, we can't totally confirm it, but that apparently comes from the Dorothy Stratton connection and it all goes nice. Back to Canada. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice tie in there. Yeah, we take yeah. all of our connections, anyone that we can get. <laughs> we'll take exactly. it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like that. So just going back to what we were talking about prior to that is the fact that I do think there is a distinction between what would be considered the Chippendales and the spawns of that type of show versus male strippers because it's sort of like a group performance too. I know that they're either all on stage or one can be on stage, but there's costumes, there's storylines, there's a plot. When you go to just a male strip club, it's usually just one guy at a time and literally just comes on stage, does, you know, maybe some little dance numbers, but he just takes off his clothes and then he's done. There's no buildup. And, yeah. and then on top of that, when you're going to like a Chippendales or a Magic Mike, you buy tickets 
and you don't typically go alone like this is a group event like this is an experience that you want to have with your friends that you're fueling each other Mm -hmm. like even if you're not really into that sort of thing which I'm a take it or leave it kind of girl I definitely was happy to see Magic Mike um, because it was I knew it would be such a fun show it wasn't about guys being naked or any of that sort of like the prospect of any of that it was just like we're all just going to be crazy because we can be because that's what you're supposed to be like at this yeah. show. And that's what I love. Like that's where it kind of goes back to starting in the 80s, that kind of freedom to just act out how you feel and what you think with your girlfriends yeah. and be supported by as it, women. right? Mm-hmm. Like as women, like it was very taboo still back then. It's, I mean, Christ, it's kind of taboo now even. It's obviously a lot better, but for women to just openly talk about their sexuality, being sexual, like talking about pleasure, anything like that, it's still kind of like, <clears throat> oh, oh, like, but you can tell that in thing. just your language. Even you calling it a male strip club, why does the like strip club have to be designated to just women? Like, we have to, you know, make that distinction and say, no, it's the male one, you know, that alone is like an issue. <laughs> But that alone speaks to the shape of the industry, right? And like the reason that Chippendales was making headlines and why it was a big deal was because that's so crazy. Like women would show up for this. Women would want this. Women would pay for this. And then also I think part of the interesting reversal that doesn't really make the headlines then, but which is interesting to me is like, of course, like, you know, flipping gender norms is also about what men are doing up there. Like on the face of it, they're supposed to be these like super masculine guys, but come on, these are guys who dance for a living, who spend their whole day tanning and working out and dieting and spraying their hair and worrying about what they look like yeah (laughs) and then being objectified sexually I mean all of that is usually what we consider like feminine and that is why you know um one of the things that the men would say to me again and again when I interviewed the dancers was like, everyone thought we were gay. And like, they were like, why would anyone think we were gay? Like the whole point of this job is we had basically unlimited access to all these women who like were totally available to us, um, which again points up the limits of like the feminist. Um, we need to touch on that. <laughs> yeah, sure. of, like the, the feminist purpose of this work. But um, they also were kind of breaking these boundaries around masculinity. Again, I don't think it was intentional that they were doing that but I would say that they helped that Chippendales and that kind of version of masculinity of a guy who dances of a guy who's there for women's pleasure of a guy who takes care of his appearance all a lot of that aesthetic would have been considered very effeminate and I think Chippendales helped mainstream that as a form of kind of straight male masculinity and I think that is sort of like an under considered uh, legacy of this thing I wonder if that is why he well, I wonder if him, you know, uh, really saying that this is entertainment, there's no shady business, any of that, because he wanted to have that, like, I guess, respect or like that credibility of just being entertainment, just being dancers, as opposed to like the dirty work of like women and, you know, them doing like selling sex and stuff like that. And I'm saying all that in air quotes, please sense my sarcasm. But you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I wonder if that is was his motivation Oh, yeah. They wanted to sanitize this as not being sex work and not being kind of lewd. And then I also think that about like, no, I just mean, did they do that because they were men and they wouldn't stoop to that level? Kind of. 
You know what I mean? Um, yes and no, because look, there was some sex work that was going on there. And the funny thing about it is that it's really constructed very differently than it is for women. Like when this guy yeah. gets busted, well, first of all, this guy, one of the dancers basically realizes he can just make a lot of money this way. And there's none of the kind of conversation one usually hears when women are faced with these questions of like, oh, is it morally right? Is it wrong? The emotions, there's none of that. He's, He's like, like, fuck yeah, definitely want to get into this process. Yeah. Constitution part for sure later on too because okay. that was a big part that stuck out for me in terms of just the double standards even yeah. and I think that still plays a part today this isn't just like of course of definitely I, like they're not still. even called male prostitutes probably they're probably just like living life you know what I mean <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like when he gets busted by the cops, the cops are like, you're so lucky you get to like yeah. charge women for sex. Like that's amazing. And like let's let him off the hook. Like there, it's a very different kind of treatment. Very similar to, to what's going on today even. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, I don't know all that much about the male sex workspace, for heterosexual male sex workspace, and I know that it exists, um, but I don't know how big it is. And I, my hunch is that male prostitutes like turning male sex workers i should say like you know turning are, are not turning tricks for women on the street do you know what i'm saying like there's yeah. a high at the higher exactly. end male sex work thing and that speaks to and i think this is so fundamental yes. to this show it speaks to the limits of role reversal empowerment like at the end of the day you don't really have women picking up men on the side of the street for sex not because they don't want sex but because you can't get away from the fundamental power dynamic that picking up a man off the street into your car is not a good idea for women because it's more dangerous yeah. right and that's Absolutely. similar to like what happened in the club like yes the tables are turned and they're stuffing dollar bills in in men's g-strings but unlike a reverse uh, strip club where you have women dancing there's never much fear that a woman is going to be too aggressive and attack or really hurt a man yes right. the guys say they were more aggressive than we thought they would claw at us but no, like, and I think that that physicality is speaks to like some of the limits, but also what you were like nodding your head about when I was talking about before that, like, yes, some of the guys definitely did feel objectified. It really did take an emotional toll on them. I don't want to over like, you know, underplay that. There's no question about that. But for a lot of them, they felt like, especially if they weren't in it that long, they were living their best life. And that's yeah. just not a narrative that you hear that much from women who are stripping or having a, or, or, or involved in sex work. Not to say some of them aren't, but that's not like the dominant narrative. Yeah. yeah, well, that's the interesting side of it is when I was listening to the show and some of them talking about feeling like, well, I'm, and when they were on the talk show host actually commenting, like, we're not just a piece of meat, like, we're, we're people and we're humans and we have a heart. And I found that interesting because I still think that that kind of narrative would play into today as well. And it's like, but you say that, but then in the next sentence, almost, you talk about that there was an endless supply of women at your fingertips whenever you wanted. So you're kind of still, you're still okay with objectifying women <laughs> yeah. and using them to your advantage, having multiple partners a day, some of them we're talking about, but then you want the women to treat you like, you know, a, a human and be sensitive and care that, and, and recognize you as not just a male dancer. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so there was that kind of, that side of it was really interesting to me because that's, I think in part speaks to the time 
like we were talking mm-hmm. about, was still kind of taboo. That was just not an area that was wildly explored for women or accepted of being so overtly sexual or interested in sex. But it still was like men had this feeling that like, well, you can't do that to me because like I'm a person, but I can still do it to you because that's yeah. the norm. Even when they're actually doing it, mind you, uh, like what, millions and millions of years, the situ- like men were doing that to women and objectifying women and taking what they wanted from women forever. And then one time, a little blip where women are like very consensually enjoying men, you know, in the open, it's now they're objectifying me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think there's a lot going on there. So one of the things yeah, is, you know, <laughs> in, in many ways, you could say everybody is entering into that room consensually, right? The men didn't have to be dancers. The women didn't have to be there. And so that um, I think is an important framework. But I do one of the things that came up in terms of the dynamics that you're talking about that I thought was really interesting is that one could imagine that all these men who felt Yes, very objectified sometimes in a way that really did hurt them. And I don't mean to like, you know, minimize the pain of what some of them went through. It is, these are young guys. Some of them were like 22 years old. Their first real experiences as men or having, not like having sex necessarily, but romantically was through the lens of being these like sex machines. Like, I don't care how great that's supposed to be. That's like pretty heavy stuff. So I want to like put that out there and not minimize anyone's experience. At the same time, one could imagine that being treated like pieces of meat would have them be more empathetic to women because they would realize, oh my God, this is how women are like always treated, you know, shouldn't I feel that way? Uh, That is not what I found at all. I found on the other hand, it actually stoked an almost different kind of misogyny where they were like, those bitches are just like us. And you think that there'll be faithful wives or you think that they'll be serious professionals, but at the end of the day, they just want to fuck you. Like, you know, that's really the impression that I got. And like, I don't know how much it came out in the podcast, but something that a lot of men who I interviewed said was versions of, oh, women, they're all the same everywhere you go. All of you, you know, we know what you want better than you know what you want. And at the end of the day, a Chippendale show is like all a woman really needs to like lose any pretense of, you know, faithfulness to a relationship, professionalism, et cetera. They didn't say it in exactly those words, but having done, you know, 70 interviews about this, having watched hundreds of hours of footage of these shows, it's very clear to me that this so-called women's empowerment project is actually deeply invested in what I think is a very reductive image of women that no matter who she is, old, young, fat, thin, shy, blah, whatever, at the end of the day, put this hunky Chippendales man in front of her and they all get reduced into the same screaming horny you know, bachelorette. Cheating. And, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, yeah, and that, that didn't that's not out. so empowering. No, yeah. it's not. And that didn't, I, the way you described it based on like how maybe that, like some of those conversations didn't make it onto the podcast because it didn't really come yeah. out that way that they, that maybe the majority felt just like you're all the same. You're all horny women. You don't care. You're all going to be cheating, lying bitches as, as whether they said that or not. It definitely came out more that they were trying to play up this like, well, you should care about me because like I'm I'm more than just a piece of me. And um, it just it was just something that kept sticking out to me throughout because and I'm not diminishing their feelings because I believe that some of them really did feel like that. And 100 percent, I'm sure some women did make them feel like that. But that's another thing like. 
if we made you feel like that, then you should know now that that's not how you should make women feel. And we've experienced, like many of us have experienced that. And, and why should we be any different also is my question. When there is something being presented to you in that way, it's kind of like fair game. Like it almost says, sends a message like, well, that's how you want to be treated. You're doing this for a living. You're naked on stage. You're oogling all over me to get money. I know this. Um, so yeah, you know, but that's how there's men, your bed, lay in it. That's how, well, that's how a lot of men, and uh, of course we're, you know, saying blanket statements like that, but a lot of men um, feel about women, right? So it's like, it, it's the double standard that can never go away, even when the situations are completely reversed, where the men are performing, mm-hmm. they're still finding a way to make it misogynistic somehow. Well, not somehow, obviously. Um, and I, I love how we're exploring this this way to look at it instead of it being so black and white. There's a guy up there dancing and a girl is sitting in the audience enjoying it, right? There's just so much mm-hmm. that goes goes into it and and into mentalities and how people are perceived and how people are perceiving each other and themselves, right? Oh, totally. And the perceiving each other and themselves line, I think is really crucial. I mean, it's something that is, we go over very quickly in the podcast, but it really is in there and it's important. One, like the physical layout of the club in LA had mirrors around it. So you can have the women are watching the men and the men are watching the women watch them while it's happening. Plus you have all these packs of women who are showing up together who are watching each other enjoy the show. And so you have this, and and then you have also, we have all these guys um, who work in different capacities in the show talking about, oh, I would be in the booth watching from this angle, you know? And so to us, like, you know, the viewer, or as like the scholars would say, the gaze, G-A-Z-E, um, is really important in understanding the way this thing is experienced as something more than just women going to watch a show and consuming something on stage. Because also something that a whole bunch of women mentioned that spoke to the power of this experience was was that somehow in the way this show was constructed, it wasn't just that they got to look at a hot guy, but they felt like that guy was looking at them, right? Like they felt like they were getting that attention. And it's not that these are like these dumb girls who are just like, oh, he he's falling in love with me, but that there's something. And one person we interviewed compared it to a preacher who's speaking to a mega church but makes you feel like you're the only one in the room i like got a chill when she said that because it's such a, a stripper a preacher wow but she talked about that connection of feeling like she was being seen. And I think that that has a lot to do with the way the show was deliberately constructed. I mean, we have this footage of Nick Denoya, the creative director behind it, saying like, all right, you know, you know how to turn on one woman. You've got a room of 500 women. you got to turn on everyone and make her feel like you're talking only to her, you know? And he, I got to say, he was good at that from the way that women who went um, described the experience. For sure, wow. there is a creative genius behind the show. There's no question. And and I can like say, like, when I went to the Magic Mike show and we're we were in what would be I guess I maybe it's not considered that, but um at those shows, but per row, we're front and center. Um <laughs> so the guys come off the stage and one guy came off, grabbed my hand. I wasn't waving money or doing anything, I was sitting at my table having a drink, grabbed my hand and he started dancing with me. And it was like a kind of like a Spanish, like a Mexican, like Spanishy song. And so it was like quick and fun. And in that moment, you do kind of feel like, oh, me? Like, 
of all the other women here Aww. why me and it happens for five seconds and i am very rational i am not the i fell in love with a stripper kind of person like i i mean i know men that they do believe when they've gone to a strip club and they've gone back a few times and they go into the whatever the private room and they have their lap dance and they're like yeah but she said this and i'm like okay this is this is why men and women are different, first of all. But um, yeah, but you do get that sense of excitement. But I think that's just because that's part of the show. It's a surprise. You don't know what's going to happen mm-hmm. next, and so that's what you find thrilling. And it's a that's fun the best action. Part. Like it's not like he like yeah. did something that wasn't fun. It was fun. You're dancing, right? You become yes, part of but, the show too because yeah. now everyone's watching. You dance with this beautiful man it's like ooh, right ooh, smells like coconuts very, like, she remembers all these years later <laughs> <She> smells like <laughs> coconuts. they all smell like coconut but something i think lauren that you that you hit on which is important too about like that feeling and that thrill of like being picked like even if you know that it's part of the show i mean one of the things that was really interesting to me about chippendales is that yes it was pushing boundaries and doing something new because it was women being sexual and the role reversal and all that. But if you really think about it, what's in the show is in many ways like upholding the most traditional heterosexual dynamics you could possibly imagine. The thrill of being the girl picked by the guy is like the most age old courtship <laughs> fantasy the, you can yeah, imagine. It's say, it's right? Fantasy. It's like the prince saw me of among all the damsels and he picked me. The poor At the Chippendale show. Totally. Think of the roles that the, or, or like the girl waiting to be selected. Think about it. You're at a show where the whole pretense is women can now be like sexually liberated. And yet part of the thrill comes from the man coming and choosing you. I mean, that speaks to like yes. them selling a much older kind of fantasy. I mean, you know, think of the characters in Chippendales. This is not like a you know, interior decorator skit. This is like a construction <laughs> worker and a policeman and a cowboy and Zorro. And they're all these like hyper-masculine roles. And they're popular in the early days as feminism is actually questioning all of those things. Like, hey, ladies can be truck drivers too. Hey, men can be sensitive. It's all right to cry. And so you're going to a show, which is in some ways part of that feminist, you know, reevaluation of what women and men can't be. But the show itself is so heteronormative. And that's like still true. I mean, in 2019, when I went to the show, there's a freaking wedding skit in the middle where they bring up a woman and simulate like a wedding where she's being proposed to and a bride. Can you imagine in a male strip show, like, you know, oh, and now the woman who's on the pole like picks you to be her husband. He would be running like, out. You know, it just wouldn't, He's like, this yes, is supposed it wouldn't to be happen. Fun. You go there to escape that, right? <laughs> to escape those. That's what I was just going to say. I, it's a completely separate, like, fantasy the men go for the women those kinds of shows of women which are more like actually just strip clubs just strippers to escape their marriage and again we're not blanket no we're generalizing all men but yeah but it's sort of like that is the point of it it's to escape your reality it's to just be allowed to google at a beautiful person 
Right, but to I think escape into like a a world that's lost in some yeah, ways. But like that, you could imagine that some men go there actually because it's like oh, it's so much simpler when like women were just like hot chicks to look at. You know what I mean? As opposed to like a lady I got to sit next to at the office or who tells me what to do. Right? I think that in many ways, probably you know, strip clubs of women dancing for men participate a, a lot in that kind of like world bygone being reenacted. I do think there. It it is a richer terrain for analysis to look at that something like Chippendales because there are all these skits and all these narratives and all of these like it's not just one person dancing as you mentioned it's like a whole set of stories that you can look that you can understand through that maybe lens. that's because women production. are far more advanced mentally and uh not to say that men are like idiotic but well kind of they are sometimes but we need a lot more to like like you don't really hear women going to get a prostitute or a sex worker they'd probably more are more likely to get an escort so they can have that even if it's you know not real but have that like relationship way of it so i think women need that kind of production uh need that bit of a story need that little bit of like relationship building even though obviously it's not real or you know any sort of in-depth relationship just well, to we enjoy the psychological it sexually. aspect of it yeah we can't just see like a hot guy and be like oh like the way guys can for girls they can just see a hot girl and they're like yeah. yep but women need the mental aspect of it to get on board well, that's the pretense of the whole show, right? And like, you know, I, who knows what all women really want or if all women want one thing, but definitely all these men. And again, imagine today, it's a show for women, but they only have men working there and men designing it, right? But what the men, I got to say, they didn't have a terrible idea. They basically <laughs> articulated exactly that, that they women need stories, right? And they wanted women to feel like they walked into like a Harlequin yeah. romance novel or something like yeah. that rather than just some like take it off show. Yeah. And I think... um yeah. Well, the fact that the show still exists, the fact that Harlequin still exists, I think it can provide some generalization for what women do want. Because if we're still paying for these things in all different channels, books, shows, movies, all of it, it exists. Women want, like, just to, like, to pull out a piece from the show again, it's like the perfect man skit in the Chippendales show that still kind of exists. I think if you, any w group of women that sits around, chats with their girlfriends, whether they're in a relationship or not, we all have an idea different from each other's of a perfect man, right? Like we all mm -hmm. would be like, oh, I, you know, I just wish this and I just wish I could find this and I just, and for him to have all of the things. So I think there is an element of that that does exist, that women, for the most part, we're all kind of looking for something we want to be swept off our feet mm -hmm. we want to be just completely adored we want to feel like the only person in the world to this other person and then add on we want them to be gorgeous and fit and like and then there's that bad boy thing too like that's they have to have say, an like edge that's more of my style yeah i want a little you know chip off the shoulder kind of thing and well, the confidence. I, I still think that it, yeah, I want confidence. I want sex appeal. So there's all of those things that comes out of the Chippendale skits. And <laughs> they still exist. And many spinoffs have happened because it is such a desirable thing still. And, and most women want that. I love how your smile is when you talk about this. <laughs> 
It's funny. I think it's desirable, though, for different reasons over the years, because I think like Chippendales is still around. But like, let me tell you, there are a lot of people like even you all said, can you tell our listeners maybe what Chippendales is? Like, not everybody knows what it is. If you I don't know how old you guys are, but let's just say if we were We're in our 30s, let's you're in your 30s. Yeah. I'm in my early 40s. There is no way if we were alive in like 18, uh, 18, if we were in, if it were in like 1985 and we were having this discussion, we would know what Chippendales is, whether we would been had been there or not, right? So I think that like, Today, yes, it's still around, but I don't think that women want the same thing from it that they did in like 1979 or 80. That was like the foundation stepping stool to get us to where what we really want or if that's that might not even be out yet what we really want. I mean, I don't necessarily I don't. First of all, I don't think that many women go to Chippendales today period compared to the, to the high point like it's not as popular a lot of a lot of people even I spoke to for the show didn't even know it was still around today like it you know I think it does fine but it's not that like cultural product today that it once was and I think that's because the basic premise of like oh women want to go out together and have a good time and like you know take off their shirt and hit on guys like that's not such a wild proposition you can do that in a lot of other spaces we have spring break we have bachelorette parties we have a million other venues yeah just go to a bar like yeah like we're just as much as we're on the prowl just as much as some men well and we're not these like for some single women and we're not yeah we're not like ooh. Yeah, like we're because ladies. it's not taboo yeah. as much anymore. And right. and men want that too because we've come so far and we're more vocal and confident in like our sexuality and our desires and like what we want. Men are kind of like, I'll just kind of hang out. They'll come to me. Like it's going to happen. So we're kind of in that way, I think men and women are sort of meeting in the middle now. Um but I think the idea of still being like sought after a little bit of a, like a courtship type thing is still what we would like. There are still I gender mean, roles with dating, with courting. Yeah. With, definitely. you know, there are still gender roles in relationships. But so I guess what you're saying is, is Chippendales is now like too PG for us. In some ways, I mean, I think it's still popular and it's not as popular as it once was, but it's still popular because it's like, again, a fun show to go to. I mean, the one I went to was like racy dinner theater. I ordered like salmon and asparagus as I was watching this show. Like there was dinner. You know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't like a nightclub kind of experience. There's no mother-in-law's getting dick slapped and... Booze spilt all yeah, over. Yeah, and, and there's no there's no tip and kiss now, which is like the foundational move. There's you do not hold up dollars. They don't take it because they're salaried workers. And like, you know, as opposed to the early days where you could barely find guys to take their clothes off for money because that could ruin their career. And what if someone found out? These are professional dancers yeah. who like just got off tour with Beyonce and you know they have another gig and they have headshots and like they're entertainers. Yeah. And so I think like, you know, people still go because it's fun and it's also like kind of retro like it's kind of like people would like be like I'm doing a Jane Fonda workout tape or something because it's like a fun throwback thing you know um but I wouldn't say I mean to each her own but like I don't think women are probably going to satisfy some like profound no. need for male attention or or to yeah, express to me themselves that sexually or like you know that for that liberated feeling probably not <laughs> 
So yeah, I, mean, I think it's a, like a, another space to have fun yeah. with women in your life. And yeah, and you don't have to feel uncomfortable with men being around. Like you can just go and be silly and be crazy and act the part of like, I have to scream yeah. and go nuts for these guys without any fear of judgment or criticism or like anything like that from male spectators. Yes, I think that's right. And I also think the numbers matter because, you know, it's been a while since I go to bars. I've been married for a long time. But like, you know, going to bars and being outnumbered by men and feeling like you have to act a certain way or, you know, you you are not necessarily in control of the attention dynamic. Like um, that, that is not a great feeling a lot of the time. And I think a Chippendale show part of what they're selling then and now is um, controlling for that very important variable. And like, it's primarily a women's space, you know, and that's actually something that's different today. Like today it's a show men can go to, in my experience, it's mostly women or if men are there, they're not really there for the women. (laughs) They're probably there for the men themselves. Um, But you know, in the old days, it was very strictly, the show was only for women. And that was to like, be like, this is a heterosexual thing. This is not a gay club but after the show men would line up around the block and come in and it was like the most desirable place to be because you had all of these women who were liquored up they'd just seen this sexy show and it was considered like prime pickings for men and that to me was one of the first red flags that okay the men behind Chippendales were not exactly like there to create like a safe space for women in some ways like it was open season you know and I think um, that's a difference too and that's like it's interesting in in researching this show you know we got so into the nitty-gritty I went to the original club I looked at the ads for it and like to really understand what it meant to go there and how it changed over time you got to understand like what sound like boring details oh okay so at 10 p.m they opened the doors to men so the men would come in what would that be like would most people leave like and understanding how the show is like really different than today where it's like basically you know in theaters or yeah, the venue makes a difference too with that because totally. it was a cl- it was a nightclub when they got yeah. started, so it was designed to be a nightclub and dance and have people mix and mingle. Whereas now it's planned, scheduled venues that and right. they tour. And at the yeah. near the end of the podcast, like you talk about how it kind of became just more of like a touring show versus like a stationary event, and um, like I. I also think just that speaks back to the women's lib thing, though, is that you knew they knew exactly what they were doing, right? Like you've got a room full or a club full of women primed up, let the men in because now everyone's just going to feel good and like have fun. And I think I would like to believe like it was meant to be fun, but it's a business so but when you're feeling good and you're happy you're spending money right like let's drink more let's have Mm -hmm. another shot like so it's just another funnel to get more profit from the event but I definitely don't think the founders the men other than like I guess Candace wasn't a founder but the men behind the Chippendales had no interest in the women's liberation. And you talk about that a lot in the podcast is like um, the main guy, Steve Banerjee. And I don't want to give anything really away um, because I want people to listen to it. But he clearly was just about the money. So he, I'm sure he said whatever he needed to say on TV when the odd time he would be on it to say like, oh yeah, we're all for like empowering women. But 
No, well, there's aren't. nothing that but, like, people don't want more than having like a product like this and then an amazing story to go with it. Like, how do you not get behind that? How do you not support that? So he was a very talented spinner of things to to try and say. And also, women, we're doing this for you for all the reasons, all the levels, right? Yeah, and I think even more so retrospectively now, like the few people who are still around today very much speak in that language because that's the language of 2021, yeah. right? To be like, oh, yes, like it was about empowerment and feminism and all this kind of stuff. And like, yes, they were talking about that a little bit then, but um, now that's like a very appealing way to describe what I don't think fully fit into that framework back then. Well, when you um, had your conversations with Candace, and I'm, she flat out said like no this wasn't a women's lib movement but so for the woman that's working on the front lines for years and a very intelligent person I mean she's uh, an attorney like this is not some person that just kind of like fell well she did kind of fall into it but she's an educated woman so she can see what's really going on there um and she made the choice to stay involved which thank god because they, you need a woman in those kinds of environments. You need a but, woman in um, most kinds of environments. <laughs> yeah, to help guide things. Um, but then to be my own devil's advocate, I do kind of see how it advanced women's liberation in the sense that it just kind of helped that kind of activity and those shows and and those outings with your friends be norm, right? Like, yes. it, it paved the way for like, we're going to do this. And husbands, boyfriends, other men, dads, deal with it. Like, this is allowed. This is cool. Totally. I think it really was part of a moment when, like, women going out and spending money and spending time together and having fun that was just about them was something in formation. And, I mean, I'm, I mentioned writing this book about fitness culture. To me, going out to Chippendales doesn't feel that different from going to, like, a jazzercise mm-hmm. class. Like, it has that vibe, and it's of the same era, and it was new, and it was women being in their bodies, not having men around, spending time together – spending money on themselves um and i think and and it would it was also though at the same time both of those environments upholding some pretty traditional ideas about what women are supposed to look like how they're supposed to behave you know and i think like for one thing like when you're talking about how women act at Chippendales and they can be free and all that, one of the things that I think is worth noting is that, yes, a lot of women felt like that and they could just let loose and like ogle these guys and and it was great. There are quite a few women who I talked to, a couple of whom um, were interviewed in a way that made it on the podcast, who talk about actually like, not that they had a bad time there, but they definitely felt like they were supposed to be having a particular kind of fun that they weren't. And they were like looking at their friends and seeing them like, like, oh my God, he's so hot or come over here and either felt uncomfortable with it or, or like not that into it and was like, well, why don't I feel that excited about this? Like this is a very particular kind of like revelry that I'm not all that into. That I, not that you're asking, but I'm telling you, like I really related to that. Like I was like, always, I always had a lot of friends, but like, you know, through college, like I remember going to like these fraternity parties and seeing like how into it people were or like big sporting events and like always feeling a little like I wish this was that fun for me and everybody else seems to think that's this fun 
but I don't feel like it's that fun. And like, and feeling a little outside in that way, because I'm supposed to love this. And I can totally see how Chippendales could be amazing for some women, but also that particular kind of like, hey, ladies of the 80s, this is for you and you're going to love it. And like how not enjoying it that much could be alienating in a different way. And so when some women brought that up, I didn't even really know I felt that way, but I'm like, yes, I totally feel you. Even though I was four years old at the time you're talking about. <laughs> no, I can completely relate to that because I, in all of the examples that you gave, I've been in that position too, where I'm like, I'm supposed to just like have this energy about this event and this like experience and I just don't have it. And I don't know, maybe one of my theories is like, just because I'm like such a rational thinker and I can't help but like unpack everything and like analyze it all. And that's just yeah. what my brain naturally does because I have friends that were complete opposite where they're going ballistic and like this is like you think they've never been let out of their house ever. And that's not just like at a male dancing like show. It's It could be at a sporting event. There's just like a different energy that comes with it. So um, I, I do relate to that. And of course there would be women then and now that feel the exact same where it's like eh. Like I've never yeah. cared about strip clubs I have friends that love to go to female strip clubs um, as females uh -huh, and they're yeah. just like, oh, it's just so great and so sexy. And I'm like, absolutely. Those women are their bodies, everything about them, their talent, the fact that they can slide up and down a pole the way they can, like blows my mind. But I don't care because I think for me, it's more about like, I have no interest in paying somebody to do that. Like, cause it's mm -hmm. not exciting for mm -hmm. me. Like I'd rather just go to a club and dance all night myself <laughs> and buy my mm -hmm. drinks and have a great time. So there I, I can appreciate like that side of it where people would just be like not not for me i don't know and i think especially yeah. like now i can't wait to go do i would do anything now and you feel I'll really do anything excited now. <laughs> but i i feel i agree with what you're saying like especially for the male strip club like i'm trying to get away from my guy i'm trying to get out of, like you know i want to be with my girls i would much rather go watch hot girls dance on a stage and Again, I, maybe because we don't see it as like a sexual thing. I don't know if guys go to strip clubs and they're like, this is hot. I'm horny. I don't know what the hell they're doing there. Like, you know what I mean? We see it as entertainment. So I'd rather just be like entertained in a way that's, you know, not what I'm trying to get away from, which is men. Yeah. Like I'd rather go to a drag show. With well, I'd rather go to like any show just, probably than like yeah. go see like a guy. Dangle I've been stick. to a male strip club and it. I was very uncomfortable, but it that's what it was. It was not a show. It was one dude came along, moved around a bit, and was fully naked. And I was in per bro, and it was like, I don't really like this. Too transactional. Yeah, like, it was a bit too much. If you're not getting all excited and like laughing and joking about it, then it's like you're a man right beside me and your dick is out and I'm supposed to like be oogling, but for some reason I'm not excited. So then it's weird. Otherwise you just, you know, you have to just act like, yeah. And then just make it fun like that. Otherwise it's like, that's what I'm saying. So yeah. like there is this like I do think it really introduced this like exciting new kind of way of women spending time together and having fun. But in some ways, like the kind of fun that was being promoted there was like a little bit limiting. Right. Yeah. And in some ways could make, you know, it set up this norm. Everything in this conversation we just had. Well, I'd rather do this with my friends or go there or go here. Not that women didn't go out in groups of friends before Chippendales. Of course they did. But this <laughs> definitely all the credit. Like, <laughs> Yeah, no, but like the whole girls night out 
vibe, you know, really was, I think, enhanced and made more mainstream through Chippendales, particularly around like sexy stuff, whether it's a women's strip club or or whatever. But um, I think uh, and I think that that in itself is good. And I don't necessarily think that's what the men there intended um, behind it. But I think that's something that women created out of that space. And that's probably I'm not in the market for like, is it a good or a bad thing? But I think that's probably like one of the best legacies that it has, you know, of this like normalizing women going out and taking a night off from whatever their quote unquote real life is and spending time with their friends because you know I unfortunately women still are engaged in a lot of like other directed work caregiving um, (laughs) yeah and I think that I think that like that has not changed all that much and this is the kind of thing where you get to put that aside even for an evening you know and that that can be really fun so you know on balance I think it gave us some good things for sure there is definitely a silver lining (laughs) yeah we can't give it all the credit uh for women's liberation movements and where we're at definitely not you know at least some good things came from it um and even if it was at our own and you know carving that path for ourselves I mean I'm happy for it I'm happy that we're allowed to be out with women and you know it's not frowned upon and we're not like you know it was just normal for women to also go out for women to also have fun. So, I mean, if that's all that came from it or whatever, then that's good too. Yeah, totally. I would, I would say that. And again, like, you know, we started this by talking about capitalism and I think like this, like, and I was talking about how I'm always sort of rolling my eyes when I'm sold some like bar class or whatever that's supposed to empower me. But the truth of the matter is all these things are what you make of it. Like, yes, one be like a critical consumer of what you're being sold and what you expect to get out of it. But have I had life-changing experiences at like fancy fitness classes? Absolutely, right? That's probably not, that's not because that's guaranteed with purchase. It's because it's been an avenue to something else. The people that I meet there, the way that it makes me feel, the moment that I'm in. So I, I, I truly do not believe we can buy empowerment, though it's marketed to us at every turn since the Chippendales and with a particular energy now. But I do think that these spaces and experiences absolutely can cultivate like really meaningful experiences for women so sure and and we want them to continue right and so we are making that more norm and like finding new ways to do that and I totally agree you cannot buy empowerment I think we're all empowered it's just how you choose to express that and and whether you like seize it and vocalize it and don't kind of allow yourself Mm -hmm. to still fall into the gender norms that do definitely exist still um but yeah yeah, how do you just like live your life the way like authentically you we talk about authenticity tons on the show and I think that's like a lot to do with empowerment right and so yeah I mean again just like circling back to the Chippendales no we've established it was not like the pinnacle of the women's liberation movement but it definitely (laughs) helped open some doors and pave some paths and and at the end of the day, it's just it should just be good fun and like those those events are good fun <laughs> and you get out of it what you put into it too. So I mean, like overall, like I loved listening to the podcast. I love learning yeah. what I yeah. learned and I love like kind of looking at it from the different perspectives now and like unpacking like what you talked about and what it was all about and and then kind of yeah putting it together and thinking like did this make a difference or or not and yeah I think it did a little bit 
Well, just critically thinking at at an experience that happened in the world. And I'm looking really forward to finishing it, uh, Natalia. And, you know, even this conversation was amazing about it and it's amped me up. I was very excited to finish it, obviously, as well. But (laughs) especially now when I have all this fun stuff to look forward to. So thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me on and for listening and asking such good questions. Please tell our (laughs) listeners (laughs) where they can find you, the podcast, because everybody should listen to it. Yeah, definitely. So you can find me mostly on Twitter and Instagram at Natalia Petrozella, not intuitively spelled. So you could look at the show notes, but it's N-A-T-A-L-I-A-P-E-T-R-Z-E-L-A. And then we have a great show Instagram, which is at Chippendales Revealed. And we have all kinds of fun stuff from the show and like little bits that didn't make it onto the show either. So definitely check it out. Yes. And and find the show on Spotify. And as always, Follow us at Herspective underscore podcast on Instagram. And Natalia, this was just awesome. So much fun. And um, hopefully we can talk to you again and look forward to the new stuff that you're working on and coming out with. Yes. Thank you. I am too. I hope we get to talk soon. Thank you. Awesome. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Natalia.